Hello, welcome back. This is the Sports Gamble Ramble SGR 83. Today we're talking about the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm recording this Monday, August 8th. You will be hearing it uh, Tuesday, August 9th or later, of course. And I don't want to waste time. I want to get right into it today. The Chargers are a pretty interesting team. Obviously, this entire division, super interesting. I've mentioned on our last few episodes, I have no clue who's going to win this division. I think all four teams can be legitimate contenders. Um, Chargers and Broncos both have a little bit easier schedules than the two teams that made the playoffs last year. And they both made substantial upgrades this offseason, so maybe a slight advantage to those uh, more underdog teams here in the division. But um, this Chargers team, 9-8 uh, and eight last year, 3rd uh, in the division, and 10th in the AFC as a finish. Um, they went 8-9 and nine against the spread, covering 47% of their games. Um, so a team that really looked to be a contender, they were first in the division over the first uh, six, seven weeks of the season, and then... Um, as I mentioned in our Chiefs episode, the Chiefs finished the season 9-1 and one and managed to still um, take the AFC West relatively easily. Uh, that said, this team was very exciting to watch last year. Um, they could have made the playoffs if head coach Brandon Staley hadn't uh, really mismanaged the last few minutes of the season. If you guys remember that Raiders-Chargers game, last game of the regular season, insane um, went to overtime and they almost tied. And if they tied, both the Raiders and Chargers would have got into the playoffs and the Steelers would have been the odd man out. Um, the Raiders were essentially going to just knee the ball and, and call it a tie. And the Chargers decided to kick, call a timeout that they didn't need to call in the final minute of that game to give the Raiders the opportunity to get into field goal range. So um, a lot of questionable decisions by this coaching staff over the last few years, last year being the first year with uh, Brandon Staley, and he has been criticized uh, quite a bit for some of his decision-making, his clock management, uh, timeout management, his decision-making as far as fourth down, you know, going for it, and sometimes maybe going for it in the red zone on fourth down instead of taking the easy three-point field goal, you know, going for two when he doesn't have... There's a lot of stuff, you know, it's that whole analytic says, realistically, if we get this, our our odds increase. But at the end of the day, you got to kind of realize sometimes three points are better than none. You know, I know you want the seven, but you can't get it every time. So um, it's interesting, you know, I think he's a coach that I believe in quite a bit, but, uh, we're going to have to see some of that decision-making kind of, uh, even out in, in year two kind of reminds me of Doug Peterson's first year in Philly, where a lot of those, you know, fourth downs just weren't going our way. And then the next year, you know, regression really fucking kicked in and we ended up going like 70% on fourth downs. So if something like that happens, I mean, this Chargers team, the, the depth chart is good, and they're, they could be dangerous. I mean, third-year quarterback Justin Herbert, a lot of people are pegging, you know, as a potential MVP candidate this year, and it makes sense. It's a good roster. I said I believe in the coaching staff. Um, offense last year finished fifth in points per game at 27.9 and fourth in yards per game at 390.2. So there were top five offense already last year in Justin Herbert's second year. Now he's got another year, um, maybe a little bit more juice on that offense. They beefed up the O-line even more this offseason, which I'll talk about. A lot of optimism on the offensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball, along with, like I said, kind of some of that uh, bad luck or poor situational 
um, execution last year. The defense was just, you know, flat out a weakness of this team. And it surprised me considering Brandon Staley is a defensive uh, minded head coach. You know, he was the uh, 2020 offensive or defensive coordinator with the Rams. That's what got him hired over here. And then the defense sucked last year. 30th in points per game at 27.0 and 23rd in yards per game, 360.1. They were also 30th in run defense, uh, rushing yards allowed per game. And that really was it. I mean, this was a run funnel defense, which means, you know, the strength was in the back end of that secondary and they were almost willing to let you run it on them as opposed to give up the big plays. And that led to, again, that front seven kind of switched cheese last year. That's really my main concern with this team this year as well. I got to be honest, the front seven still has some question marks on that depth chart. But yeah, the run defense really anemic last year. Uh, This team also 19th in turnover margin at just a, a negative one rate on the year. So nothing special there. Um, this defense I mentioned, you know, they brought in Khalil Mack, which we'll talk about. I think that really they're built on the secondary and the pass rush. So again, like if that defense stays at, at a bottom five rushing defense, I think it's still, there's still some concern there. So, um, let's talk about free agency. I mentioned Khalil Mack. We'll get to the additions in a second, but let's talk about the guys that left this organization not many big names here. We can get through it quickly. Linebacker Uchenna Nwosu, uh, defensive tackle Justin Jones, center Scott Quisenberry, linebacker Kyler Fackrell, linebacker Kaiser White, and tight end Steven Anderson. So no big names there, really. Um, additions. Khalil Mack, I've mentioned already. And I mentioned that this team with the defense, I think, again, the strength is the secondary, and then the pass-rushing duo of Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. I mean, that might be the best uh, pass-rushing duo in the NFL, and it almost feels disrespectful saying might when you talk about the two names that I just put in there. I mean, these both these guys, you know, arguably top five pass rushers at different respective points in their career, and they have the ability to really make it uh, make life very difficult on opposing quarterbacks this year. Um, the secondary, again, I mentioned is strong. It was good last year. It got better this offseason with the addition of cornerback J.C. Jackson. <clears throat> so J.C. Jackson was a guy that was the number one corner for the Patriots um, really the last two years. Stephon Gilmore, during his uh, end of his run there, J.C. Jackson was getting hyper-targeted a lot, and he was coming up with a lot of picks. Um, He's a turnover machine, this guy, real ball hawk. I think he had 10 picks last year, um, if I'm remembering that right. But he's a guy that's been at the top of the interception list in the NFL over the last two, three seasons. Uh, I had my doubts a little bit about his ability to be a true number one corner. Uh, And then the Patriots decided to trade away Stephon Gilmore, make him that number one corner, and he had an incredible season again. I was really kind of surprised to see the Patriots not re-sign this guy or at least give him the franchise tag. I thought franchise tag would have made a lot of sense to buy Belichick another year. Um, But Jackson, you know, I talked about on our Patriots episode how they kind of just continue to recycle these guys. And I have my concerns as well when the Patriots release a guy and you can kind of see, especially at that, uh, that corner position, like, 
they'll have a guy that plays well for them in their scheme and in, in their role because that's just Belichick knows how to find guys that fit the roles on his team. Um, and then they'll go somewhere else and it's like they don't really do much. Like Patrick Chung to me is the perfect example. Patrick Chung was a very above average safety in the NFL for like five, six years with the Patriots. Uh, signs a one-year deal with Philly, does jack shit, bounces around a couple of teams, I think makes his way back to New England at one point. But the guy never got back to that level because he just he had his role in the Patriots' defense. And um, so I, I worry sometimes, like we're talking about J.C. Jackson here, is he going to be able to keep up that dominant cornerback one you know, play level outside of the Belichick system. That's really, that's my concern there a little bit. But he's a talented player, and it's a major upgrade for this defense. Again, you add Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson to this defense, and you, and you increase the, you know, again, coverage and pass rush. That's the approach for this D. I forgot to mention the trade details on Khalil Mack, um, but it was a, a 2022 second-round pick, 48th overall in this past draft, and a 2023 sixth pretty cheap for a potential hall of fame pass rusher all pro level pass rusher i you know a second and a sixth uh pretty crazy they are picking up his his contract i think chicago financially wanted to get mac off the books but um the chargers you know that's a big addition to that defense mac and jackson come over um they also add sebastian joseph on the defensive line morgan fox as well on the defensive line linebacker kyle van noy comes over uh, from, um, you know, a, uh, run with the Patriots, then the Dolphins, then back to the Patriots. Now he's on the Chargers. Another guy that um, seems to kind of be a Patriot guy and outside of the system, we'll see what he really does. Uh, cornerback Bryce Callahan, they also brought in, who's a, a above average slot corner. Um, so this, this defense now with J.C. Jackson, Bryce Callahan, and, and uh, second year, corner Asante Samuel Jr., second-round pick out of Florida State in 2021. I mean, those are three legit corners to add to the safety tandem of Derwin James and Nasir Adderley. That's a legitimate five guys in that secondary. It's a strong secondary. Um, who else did they bring in as I go through these names? Tight end Gerald Everett came over. He was with the Rams on his rookie deal last year in Seattle. Has not done much. Uh, former second-round pick in 2017. That was Sean McVay's first draft pick. So moving on from him pretty quick. Things didn't work out in L.A. Um, wide receiver DeAndre Carter, linebacker Troy Reader, and long snapper Josh Harris will round out the offseason acquisitions. You know I got to give my long snappers some love here. They don't get talked about enough. We got we to gotta, um, support those long snappers here. Who did they re-sign? <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. Uh, two guys that they brought back this offseason. Defensive tackle Christian Covington and quarterback Chase Daniel. I just want to mention congratulations to Chase Daniel. Um, the guy has started five career games in the NFL. His career earnings after getting an extension this offseason with the Chargers now total $41 million. He's played five football games. He's averaging $8.2 million a start for his career. So hell of a businessman there. Congrats, Chase. Um, just that constant backup, that base. He's a QB coach that can play if your starter gets injured. Um, but incredible that he's had you know a decade-long run in the NFL. So the draft. What did the Chargers do in the draft? Well, I mentioned that they had beefed up their O-line. 
really over the last two years, it's been a pretty concentrated effort by this front office to protect franchise QB Justin Herbert. Uh, This team was a bottom five offensive line in the NFL, Herbert's rookie year. Last offseason, they went and got center Corey Lindsley, who in 2020 was the top-rated center in terms of pass protection by pro football focus. Now, PFF, uh, they can kind of bend their statistics however they really want, but when their statistics support my arguments, I like to use them. Um, So they brought in a very strong center and then drafted left tackle Rashawn Slater last year, who seems to be an absolute beast at that left tackle. Um, and then this this year in the draft, their first-round pick, 17 overall, offensive lineman Zion Johnson out of Boston College. Uh, Zion, top-drafted um, offensive guard, looking to uh, start at right guard his rookie year for the Chargers. So, again, more just more of an investment in the trenches. Uh, this team goes from being a t- bottom-five O-line two years ago to – the number seven ranked offensive lineman by, uh, excuse me, offensive line group by Sharp Football and Warren Sharp. So top 10 offensive line unit to support, you know, the superstar quarterback. They've got weapons. Eckler's awesome in the run game. Good offense. Good team here, looks like. Uh, keep going with the draft. Round three, safety JT Woods out of Baylor. He is currently the second free safety on the depth chart behind Adderley. A lot of teams implement a three-safety scheme, though. So I kind of pay – I value the safety position. It seems like teams are carrying safeties today, like maybe, you know, 15, 20 years ago they would carry linebackers. So I'm always a little bit more interested in the safety depth with the modern NFL. Round four, um, the Chargers drafted running back Isaiah Spiller out of Texas A&M. And he's worth bringing up, you know, Austin Eckler was great last year, um, but he's getting a little bit older for a running back and, you know, investing in this team clearly wants somebody else to at least be usable in the running back. I don't think that they want to give Eckler 300 touches this season. He's good. He's very good, but I don't think many teams really want to overwhelm their running back with that much of a workload. Um, Spiller is an interesting guy. He's number two on the depth chart. Like they were clearly looking for a role from the combination of Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree last year. Um, maybe looking for a guy to take some of the goal line work away from Eckler. It could be Spiller this, uh, this upcoming season. And then round five, they drafted a defensive lineman, Otito Ogbania out of UCLA, who is, um, possibly in the mix for a starting position on that D-line. Now, I mentioned that's kind of the weak point of this team, and I still agree with that. The, you know, They have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack in that front seven, and Kenneth Murray, an inside linebacker, is a guy that I'm still intrigued in. Um, I don't think he's taken the complete step forward that I had expected him to coming out of college a few years ago. I think linebacker out of Oklahoma, former first-round pick. Uh, he's still young. He's still on his rookie deal. Um, he's got athleticism, but I have question marks about his ability to contribute in pass cav- coverage. Um, outside of him, they're not real depth there. Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray, Troy Reader, Nick Neiman. These are the starting linebackers. They're really Kyle Van Noy as well. 
And I'm not that confident in that. And then, um, again, defensive line. I mentioned this Ogbania guy. He could be competing here along with Jerry Tillery, um, Christian Covington, and Brandon Fahoko at defensive line. I mean, not many big names. Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day are probably going to start. Tillery is a 2019 first-round pick out of Notre Dame. I thought would be very good. He has not really panned out so far. They brought in Morgan Fox this offseason to try and potentially give Tillery some competition. Right now, Morgan Fox not doing anything that special in camp to steal the job, and Tillery, I guess, not doing much to really separate himself. Uh, so when you consider some of the reports about that D-line struggling, the fact that Bosa and Mack are both pass rushers, they can play the run, they'll help, but it's not really why you have them there. That middle of the defense with that weak D-line and weak linebacker group, like I said, again, I think could be the Achilles heel of this team. Um Hopefully they can toughen up in there. Hopefully one of these defensive linemen, you know, can make an impact. But it's kind of, it was the biggest weakness for this team last year, and I don't really see how they really improved it that much this offseason. So that was my biggest concern when I finished, um, you know, my research for this team and, and dove into the depth chart is that, you know, their biggest issue last year is still a potential big issue for this team. But the offense is a wagon. Herbert's a guy. I mean, the O-line's getting better. They're deeper at running back. Uh, potential for this team to make some moves. The schedule is tough because they play in that AFC West. But I mentioned at the top of the episode, I mean, if you compare it to the Raiders and the Chiefs schedule, it's not too bad. Um, this team has some easy opponents uh, like the Falcons... Seahawks, Texans, Jaguars. So let's just go through it. Um, week one, Las Vegas. So it's Raiders, Chiefs, Jags, Texans, Browns, Broncos, Seahawks, then a bye week. Falcons, 49ers, Chiefs, Cardinals, Raiders, Dolphins, Titans, Colts, Rams, Broncos. So that's tough. I mean... That stretch right there, the last four weeks of the Titans, Colts, Rams, Broncos, that's a really tough stretch. All the divisional games are competitive. I think the matchups of the Colts, Titans, and 49ers, prob probably not favorable matchups. Cleveland, too, as well, I suppose, because, again, the weakness of this team is that run defense, and those are some of the most run-heavy, run-effective offenses in the NFL. So that, to me is a bit concerning. I've told you guys I won't have much action on this division as far as win totals, futures, and I think this Chargers team is a, is another team that I have to stand packed with that. They set the line very well for this team in terms of wins, in my opinion. It's 10 even. You can't get a 9.5 or a 10.5, at least not on the books that I'm on right now. Obviously, keep checking your lines. That shit's going to jump around. Still, we've got about five weeks until the season, and that uh, the line movement I'm monitoring, you know, almost every day at this point, and you guys should be too if if you're trying to take your gambling seriously, if you're trying to get down on futures this season. 
But the over-under of 10 wins, I mean, if this team finishes right at 10, I won't be surprised at all when you see the schedule breakdown. I mentioned, you know, four or five kind of cupcake opponents, but the division's a grind. And they've got teams like the 49ers, Cardinals, Rams, Colts, Titans as out-of-division opponents, which could, who could all be frisky. Um, I think this team is good and probably more talented than half the teams that I just mentioned, but it's just a fact that with the poor run defense and some of those scheme f- matchups that I mentioned with these run-heavy teams, I'm not sure I can go gun-ho that this is going to be an 11 or 12 win team this year. But going 9-8 and eight last year, they clearly got better this offseason. I think Herbert has the ability to take another step forward. You know, I'm in on the general consensus on that. Like, Herbert's a guy, and he could be an MVP candidate this year. If this team does start having a little bit more luck in terms of these one-score games and start pulling out some of these fourth-quarter games that come down to the wire that they've been so unlucky with over the last few years, I mean, fuck, if this team jumps from 9 to 12 or 13 wins and Herbert throws for another 5,040 this year, it's very possible. He's he's a stud. Last year, Justin Herbert, 5,014 passing yards um, and 38 passing touchdowns, 15 picks. So if he can get the picks down to maybe 10 or 12, the touchdown's up to like 45, and this team can win another few games. Herbert's like plus 950, I think, right now for MVP. And it's a possibility. It's not really something I'm, I'm looking to throw on. I don't usually have an MVP bet. Um, I'll wait the first couple of weeks and see how the storylines are kind of playing out usually and get down on something, but... Um, There's reason to be optimistic. The over is minus 125. The under is plus 105 for the Chargers at 10 wins. And again, like, I'm just not in love with any of it. If they go over 10, it'll be barely, and you'll have to sweat it out. You'll probably be looking at that last month of the season with four brutal matchups. Last two weeks versus the Rams at Broncos. I'm starting to heat up on the Broncos, by the way, guys. We're going to do their episode tomorrow, but they have the easiest schedule in this division and they've been a QB away for however many years, and now you insert Russell Wilson. Guys, they got that QB. Uh, I hate to say it. I'm starting to heat up on the Broncos a little bit as we get closer to the season. And looking at these depth charts, I mean, they're right up there with any team in the division. Um, You could say the same thing about this Chargers team. It's just tough to call. The divisional odds. uh, Now, I believe the Chargers are second in terms of odds. Yeah. So the Chiefs are plus 155. The Chargers are plus 240. The Broncos are plus 260. And the Raiders are all the way down at like plus 400, which is still crazy. But uh, this team can do it. I mean, plus 240, plus 260 with the Broncos. I think I like both of those better than a 150 with uh, with the Chiefs. And the Chiefs' schedule is tough. You know, I've told you guys I can't really pick this division, but I think I'm leaning with the Broncos. Like, we'll we'll talk about it tomorrow, I guess. I think that is kind of where my head's at right now, but this Chargers team I'm really excited for too. Their odds to win the conference are plus 850. Their odds to win the Super Bowl are plus 1,600. It's interesting. I think they've been getting a lot of action on their Super Bowl odds. I think it's gone from like 20 to 1 to 16 to 1 this offseason. Um, I think the public is kind of in on this team. They're saying a lot of the same things that I'm saying about the upside, but I, I don't hear as many concerns. Like I'm just hearing everybody's like, oh, the Chargers are going to be sick. The Chargers are going to be sick. And I'm sitting here 
Yeah, they'll probably be good, but there's a lot of questions. It's a team that we haven't really seen do it yet. You know, Herbert has never played a playoff game. Brandon Staley honestly fucked up a lot of game situations last year as much as I have confidence in him as a coach and as a just a smart football mind. But there are some question marks where I'm not as gun-ho on this team as I think a lot of people are, unfortunately. I probably won't be in on the 16-1 to Super Bowl Again, like this team hasn't been there before. Even if they crush the regular season, it's going to be a lot of, okay, this is the real test once we get to January. So I'm not going to have too big of an investment here on any of this stuff. Playoffs, yes, minus 155, no, plus 125. And, you know, none of that gets me excited, but I'm not laying minus 155. It's got to be more of a sure thing. It's There's got to be less of a competition there. There's got to be an easier schedule for me to feel that good about something. The division's just too tough. Can't really recommend it. So let's talk about the uh, the individual players. Let's talk about fantasy football. This is a team who, like the Raiders in yesterday's episode, we're really only going to talk about five core guys as far as our consistency metrics and our average draft position. There's a handful Honestly, I could write a novel on all the guys buried on this depth chart who could end up being relevant this year. This is a team that kind of had, you know, they have a bunch of random receivers that from one week to the other will just randomly go off. Um, So honorable mentions here. Let's try and tackle this. Let's try and not make it too messy. Backup QB Chase Daniel, I mentioned five career starts. Running back situation, again, fourth-round pick rookie Isaiah Spiller. He's actually being drafted 109 overall this year and running back 41. Basically considered a a full-blown handcuff and uh, possible complementary back to Eckler. I'm just not going to draft a guy that I haven't seen have that role yet. I think that often you can get a a guy in a similar situation for free off the waiver wire in fantasy if somebody gets injured or it's not even a guarantee this guy's the full like guaranteed handcuff like Kelly and Roundtree are on this roster still from last year and people are just assuming that Spiller becomes a workhorse if Eckler gets injured. I'm not sure I'm about that. Um, again, running backs, Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree are on the depth chart. They were both here last year. Uh, but didn't do much. And then the wide receiver room, the two main guys <clears throat> are Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. We know this. And like I said, the other guys just aren't as consistent or like just aren't on the field with high enough snap percentages for me to really dive into. Uh, the third receiver on the depth chart is Joshua Palmer. He was the He's being drafted wide receiver 71 this year, like pick 230 overall or whatever, so really not drafted. He had uh, two wide receiver one finishes last year um, in 17 games. So he basically, he caught a couple like 50-yard touchdowns that got him over the over the hump on a specific week, but not a guy you're going to rely on for fantasy, maybe a best ball shot late in your draft. And then Jalen Guyton basically did the same thing. He's the fourth receiver off the board, not being touched in fantasy this year. He had two wide receiver one finishes last year as well in 16 games. So it's just about which one of these guys catches a random deep pass from Justin Herbert. Uh, Other wide receivers on the depth chart, Jason Moore Jr. and DeAndre Carter. And then tight end Donald Parham is the uh, 
the guy that's kind of battling out with Gerald Everett. I'm considering Gerald Everett the starting tight end for this team right now, but I mean, realistic. If you tell me that Parham a couple weeks into the season is the starter, you know, it, it, it's very possible. Parham's a young guy, I think undrafted, uh, undrafted free agent in uh, 2019. Um, Played 14 games last year before his season ended with a concussion, nasty concussion in a primetime game against the Chiefs, if you guys uh, saw that. But I don't really love the tight end position for fantasy here anyways. Neither of these guys get me excited, so it doesn't really matter to me which one's starting. It's just going to be like, can you get a random touchdown on any given week from one of these guys? Parham had three touchdowns last year in 14 games. Gerald Everett, just a career underachiever. So I'll say Gerald Everett has more of a financial commitment. He got a two-year, $12 million deal this uh, offseason and has higher draft capital being a former second-round pick as uh, compared to an undrafted free agent. So if you're going to go one way or another, I'm leaning Everett. That's already too much time on those guys. So Herbert, Eckler, Allen, Williams, Everett. Justin Herbert is a fantasy stud. Again, I'm not drafting a quarterback in the first four rounds. You have to spend a fourth-round pick on him. Uh, player 37 overall, quarterback three. Last year, uh, being drafted 59th overall, QB eight. He finished as QB two last year, playing a full 17 games, second in points per game as well. Uh, Herbert was a top six QB, 59.2 per, excuse me, 52.9 percent of his games, second highest rate. He was in the top 12, 70.6%, also second highest. Um, he finished a QB2 on the week in 23% of his games, only had one game last year outside of the top 24 quarterbacks. Not too surprising. Um, the consistency, it is kind of crazy. Uh, you know, he, I guess I don't value Justin Herbert the way that I do some of these other fantasy QBs like a Lamar Jackson, a Josh Allen, even a Kyler with his rushing upside. Herbert only gave you... 300 yards and three touchdowns on the ground last year, even though he, he's athletic, he's just uh, too good of a passer really to take off and run. Um, but again, like if he's going to throw for 5,040, he's a pretty good fantasy QB. I just don't like drafting guys that high. So you can make your own decision, but I mean, there's no real reason that Herbert doesn't finish as a top five QB again this year. I find myself just for fantasy wanting a guy that can run. A little bit, even though I, I I draft Brady every year, but that's because you can get Brady in the ninth round as a port as opposed to the fourth for Herbert. So that's just kind of where I'm at. Like I'd rather if Matt Stafford's elbow holds up, like he's a guy that could finish around the same spot with an extra seven rounds of draft value. That's kind of my philosophy. Like Brady, I've sat in back in years past. Like I took J Jalen Hurts in the eleventh round last year and Brady in the ninth and. Like, go back to 2018, my strategy was to sit back and take Pat Mahomes in the 12th round of every draft. I'm usually trying to snag those double-digit rounds and find a guy with, like, mobile upside. Or maybe just a guy in an offense that's going to need to score because their defense is so bad. That was the thinking with Mahomes, honestly, was that the Chiefs' defense sucked that year. So from a strategy standpoint, I'm not in on Herbert, but he's going to be really good. So if you just want that safety at QB, go for it, I guess. It's better than spend. – I'd rather spend a, a fourth rounder on Herbert than a second on Josh Allen every time. 
Let's move on. Austin Eckler was a stud last year. I don't think Eckler ever has a season like that. I hate to tell you. It just I think that with the the Chargers, you know, obviously investing another draft pick at the running back position this year. Eckler getting older. I believe he's 27, which doesn't sound that old, but for an NFL running back, it is a little bit. Um, Eckler, a smaller guy. I don't think they're going to use him around the goal line as much this year. He had 12 rushing touchdowns and eight receiving touchdowns last year to help him finish as the RB2 overall in fantasy and RB3 in points per game. I don't think Eckler's ever scoring 20 touchdowns again. His previous career high was, I think, five or six, and then he exploded for 20 last year. I'm a huge Eckler fan in terms of talent. He was a guy that I was all over during the Melvin Gordon holdout as, hey, just so you guys know, any games that Gordon misses, this guy's going to fucking dominate. And I still think he's super talented. I think he's being overdrafted this year because he's not going to score 20 touchdowns again. He was being drafted 15th overall RB11 last year. And I think he kind of goes back to that range this year. The expectations are too high based on his freakish touchdown efficiency last year. Um, being drafted fifth overall in RB4 this year in fantasy with Cooper Cup slipping into that top four in ADP. Um, Yeah, I can't do it. He's not going to score 20 touchdowns again. If you tell me he goes from 20 touchdowns this year to like seven, I'm not surprised. And while this offense, you know, having a running back in such a good offense with the touchdown opportunity is always great. But for this guy to be a smaller back who, again, I think has the potential to lose some goal line work to uh, Isaiah Spiller or a Larry Roundtree this year, um, no thanks. I just can't I can't do it at that high of a draft cost. There are several running backs I'd take ahead of him. Uh, pro- I'd probably take Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, Dalvin Cook, like all these guys ahead of Eckler, and Eckler's being drafted ahead of them. I'm, I'm just not really sure why. So I love Eckler, but I can't do it. He's got the 26th uh, fantasy schedule for running backs. I forgot to mention Justin Herbert, 20th schedule for giving up points to the QBs. Eckler last year was unreal. I mentioned 62.5% of his games top 12, third highest rate in the NFL for running backs. Um, He was an RB2 25% of the time, 18th highest rate, which put him in the top 24, 87.5% of his games, which is fucking freakish. It was the second highest top 24 finish rate in the NFL last year. And again, when you catch 70 passes and score 20 touchdowns as a running back, it's probably going to happen, right? Uh, He busted outside of the top 36, zero games, and only finished an RB3 in two of his games last year at 12% of the time. You can't have a better season than that, and it's just not going to happen again. I hate to say it. Not trying to be a hater, but Eckler really should be drafted more at the back end of the first round, maybe like early second round, as opposed to being a top five pick. I'm just not in. Um, let's talk receivers. Okay. Keenan Allen is the top receiver drafted in this offense being drafted 30th overall wide receiver 11 this year, super consistent, kind of a boring guy for fantasy. Cause he just seems to get you that baseline of like a hundred receptions, 1100 yards and six touchdowns every single season. But at the end of the day, that's good enough for a top 10 finish almost every year. So safe, boring, um, but good offense. He's the best route runner on this offense. He, you know, it's a good situation. So he's never got him excited about, but when you see him getting like 12 targets a game, it's like, oh yeah, that's why I drafted Keenan Allen. 
Um, finished the wide receiver 11 last year in 16 games, 13th in points per game. Uh, the wide receiver uh, group for the Chargers has the 15th easiest schedule for fantasy receivers this year. Um, Keenan Allen, uh, much more consistent from a week-to-week basis than the other guy we'll talk about and Mike Williams. Allen finishing as a top 12 wide receiver, 25% of his games, 20th highest top 12 finish. He was a wide receiver to another 25%, which put him in the top 24, the 12th highest rate in the NFL. Um, so super consistent there. Again, wide receiver 11 overall, top 24 at the 12th highest rate. And he went wide receiver three in a quarter of his games and then busted outside the top 36 in a quarter of his games as well. Perfect split, 25-25-25-25 uh, for Keenan Allen last year. Um, again, you know, 12th highest rate inside the top 24 at receiver, very safe guy, very safe, not as high of an upside as this next guy we'll talk about. Mike Williams is a guy who, although his weeks are going to be much more boom or bust, at least that's how it's been throughout his career so far. He's the guy that's got like the real legit, like top five upside Keenan Allen, um, I just don't think has the touchdown upside to to get into that elite level. He's just going to PPR you to death. Keenan Allen last year, 106 catches, 1,138 yards, and six touchdowns. Mike Williams had 30 less receptions, but had, what is it, eight more receiving yards and three more touchdowns on, on 30 less catches. So Mike Williams has that high explosive upside, that big playability. He's being drafted 51st overall wide receiver 19 this year after finishing wide receiver 12 last year. Um, Last year took a massive step forward being drafted in the 12th round wide receiver 45. And again, finishing 12th overall in fantasy points at the receiver position in PPR leagues last year. 16 games played, which is new for Mike Williams. He has a tough time staying healthy, but has been dominant when he can. 15th in points per game at the receiver position last year. Again, 15th easiest schedule this year. I mentioned he's more boomer bust. Let's dive into the numbers. Top 12 finish was a higher rate than Keenan Allen by a decent margin. 31.25% top 12 finishes. That was the ninth highest rate in the NFL. He finished wide receiver to 18.75%, which was lower than Keenan Allen. 28th ranked in the NFL compared to 11th for Keenan Allen. And so that put him in the top 24 actually at the same rate of exactly 50%, but he gave you one more uh, top 12 week as opposed to Keenan Allen being dead even there. Um, So again, top 24 finish, 50% of his games tied for 12th highest with a couple of guys there. Um, Never finished a wide receiver three as opposed to Keenan finishing a wide receiver three in a quarter of his games. Keenan busted outside the top 36, 25% of the time. Mike Williams, 50% busts. So he's basically either giving you a top 12 week or he's busting outside of the top 36. And that's really what it looked like for Mike Williams last year. If you run the numbers, um, through the first five weeks of the season last year, Mike Williams was the number two wide receiver in fantasy football and PPR leagues. Through the first six weeks, wide receiver four overall in fantasy football. And I mentioned he finished 12 overall, so that second half of the season, really that middle stretch of the season, guy just kind of disappeared at times, which was weird. Again, I think it comes with the volatility of being more of the deep threat and the big play guy here and having 
more touchdown dependency. Like I said, you know, 76 receptions, nine touchdowns compared to 106 receptions, six touchdowns for Keenan. That's why Keenan's going to be more consistent on a week-in, week-out basis with a um, higher floor and lower ceiling, where Mike Williams is going to have that ability to possibly win you weeks all on his own by going off for 150 and two touchdowns. You're probably not getting that from Keenan, but Mike Williams will also most likely disappear on you from time to time where Keenan's going to at least stay involved in the game plan every single week. That's pretty much my thoughts on that. I told you guys I'm not interested in the tight end position for this team. Gerald Everett is being drafted in fantasy tight end 20, pick 168 overall. He was being drafted tight end 20 last year, finished tight end 21 in 15 games played, 22 in points per game. Now, it's a shame the tight ends have the eighth easiest fantasy schedule for the Chargers this year, but we don't really have any value in this offense at the tight end position or any real talent or commitment at all to these two tight ends. Sorry if this hurts your feelings, Gerald Everett, but like realistically, this is not one of the stronger tight end rooms in the NFL. Uh, their starter was Jared Cook last year, no longer on the team. He had four touchdowns last year in 16 games, only 560 receiving yards. So you can see it's just not a big role in this offense. And I'm not investing in either one of these guys for fantasy. They're being undrafted, and they should. Um, I didn't even do consistency rankings on Everett because he's just kind of irrelevant, and I just don't care. I don't want to waste my time or yours. Don't draft a Chargers tight end. Sit back, like Parham to me is more talented than Everett, even though like he's not drafted. He's just bigger. And I think that the only way that a tight end is really productive or relevant in this offense is based on a, a freakish touchdown efficiency in the red zone. Um, picture Robert Tunyon from two years ago, um, only 55 catches, but like eight or 10 touchdowns because Rodgers just likes to find him in the end zone. I think the odds of Parham fitting into that role are more likely than Everett fitting into that role, and I think that's the only realistic possibility for a tight end to give you what you're looking for from a fantasy standpoint for this team. So that's it, really. I like the receivers. I like both of them at their draft cost. I'd rather take Mike Williams. I mean, you can get him in the sixth round compared to the third with Keenan Allen, and I like that upside. They just gave Mike Williams this offseason, actually, a three-year, $60 million contract. So I believe that puts him higher paid than Keenan Allen. And he is younger. He has, you know, realistically more athletic talent, I guess. Keenan Allen, more of the craftier guy, better footwork, better separator. Mike, Al Mike Williams, on the other hand, is the guy that runs a 4-4 and can jump right over you and steal the, steal the ball. So I'm excited for this team. I think I want to pump the brakes a little bit on calling them a Super Bowl contender just yet. You know, it's just I got to see it before I'm ready to put them in that echelon. But, man, this division is loaded. It's going to be fun to see how it plays out. We're going to do the Broncos next and wrap things up in the AFC West. As always, I appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your support. And ramble on.